Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 12th of April. This is your host, Kyle Owen, and today I'm joined by, by, by my producer, Justin Brown, and co-host, J.P. Flanagan. Got a lot to cover today, including the Texas State baseball team, as well as some NBA play-in tournament going on right now. But before we get to all that, let's throw it to J.P. for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast at Bobcat Radio, located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos. Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, and scenic views. So like I said, guys, I'm going to get things kicked off with some Texas State baseball. There were two games this week. Um, I, I can't remember who they played. Some team in Austin. Um... Yeah, some, something like that. But, uh, but yeah, the, at home on Monday, uh, Texas State took a 5-2 to two loss against the number 19 University of Texas. They dropped their record to 20-13 and 13 in that game. Uh, a couple hits from Chase Moore, Ben McClain, Davis Powell, Augie Ramirez, and Cade Manning. But uh, not very productive on the offensive side. Couldn't bring guys around when they needed to. Unfortunate to get the loss there at home against a record-setting crowd of 3,425 at Bobcat Ballpark. And if you were there, you saw it. It was packed to the absolute gills there were people standing on top of each other in left field there were people standing on top of each other in right field it was absolutely insane at bobcat ballpark on tuesday yeah i mean i mean if you if you were there at that game you saw the fans at the softball field i mean they were in the top of the bleachers looking over it to this <clears throat> to this game and it just shows the importance of this rivalry between texas state and ut and i just thought in that first game, you know, between these two games, we'll talk about the second one they played together. You know, in this first game, we saw the Bobcats not able to get on the board offensively. And until I think it was the seventh inning where we saw some runs get scored by the Bobcats. And it was a 5-0 lead throughout the entire game. And we saw Peyton Zabel. He was, I, I would say, not struggling per se, but he wasn't doing as hot as he's expected. He started the game with a 6.0 ERA. And, you know, he allowed runners to get on the board early. But the Bobcats, you know, I, I felt like they, they needed to respond after that game. We saw Chase Mora. He didn't do good hitting. We saw Jose Gonzalez. He didn't do that well hitting. A lot of players going up to the plate and leaving disappointed. And, you know, I felt like they needed to respond in their next game against UT. And, you know, once we talk about that game, we can tell you that they did respond. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As you mentioned, um, really just uh, both aspects of the game kind of, you know, against Texas State in that first one, really just not finding any consistency on the batting end. And whenever they did seem to find someone on the uh, base running a bit where on the base, they really just couldn't bring him in with left him out, left him out there stranded. And then really no consistency on the pitching end of things. I mean, we, we saw, you know, go through three pitchers in the, what seemed like the first, you know, six innings. So really, uh, I think that's kind of like the key of what happened in the second game. I know we'll get into that in just a second, but really that was just the, tale of the story for the Bobcats in that first one really just not having any consistency on either end and then you know the, the heavy hitters not getting on base like Ben McClain, Jose Gonzalez, Chase Mora and I think that's what we saw improvement on going into that second game. 
You know, you're talking about uh, the inconsistencies throughout the game, but I will give a huge shout-out to Nathan Medrano. Four and two-thirds innings. He only gave up three hits and one run, and that one run was earned in the third inning, and that was just, you know, bases loaded coming in, hard to to, to try and uh, corral that situation there. Um, he ended up getting out of it and then pitching basically shutout baseball until the seventh, and then once he got taken out, Rhett McCafferty, uh, unfortunate there in the eighth, gave up a couple of runs to kind of extend that lead to five to nothing and really put it out of reach for the Bobcats. But uh, reschooled, shut it down in the ninth. Texas State did respond in the eighth as well with two runs. Just the rally came up short. Y'all mentioned the struggles. Jose Gonzalez, he was over at the plate. Um, or on Monday, yesterday, you know, he he did kind of back or he went over all week. I mean, he was yeah. over basically all weekend last weekend, kind of in a little slump right now. You know, he's um, he's dropped his ERA almost to a three point right now or point three. Um, but, you know, Jose, we know that he can swing the bat and those averages go up and down throughout the season and there's only a chance for it to go up. But uh, looking looking at that game on Monday, you know, Texas winning it five to two against Texas State record setting crowd. Uh, what a fun game here in San Marcos, but uh, got to move on to the next day. And uh, the Bobcats sure did do that. They came out into Austin yesterday at UFCU Dishfalk Field, Texas State winning that one 9-3 to over the University of Texas. And, uh, you know, we expected to see a lot of uh, a lot of different pitchers out of the mound, especially with these two midweek games. Texas playing five in a row. This was their fifth game in a row. They played three against um, they played three against Kansas State. That was supposed to be like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, got moved back because of weather. And then they played Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then all of a sudden have to turn around and play a gauntlet of two day two games against uh, Texas State. And and uh, we know how that looked last year and looked the same basically this year. Texas State coming away with a win in Austin last night. You know, Texas State did this last year. They went to Austin, get a huge win, and that was viral on Twitter. We saw the horns down last year. And, you know, this year there wasn't as much, you know, publicity about it on Twitter because this was kind of a blowout win. I mean, look at the Bobcats responding in good fashion. I mean, Chase Mora, he was struggling at bat that game Monday. He responds hitting three for four here tonight. And then you see August Ramirez. I mean, he was struggling at the bat as well. Augie today, he had three, I mean, Tuesday, he had three RBIs of his own and he was one for three at his at bat. So, you know, this is what you need to do to respond to powerful teams. And I love how you mentioned Nathan Medrano earlier as well. You know, this team right now is comprised of some really key players. Nathan Medrano, a senior transfer from University of Houston who has experience against teams like this. This is really good for Bobcat team to play against UT, especially a nationally ranked team, right? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome to get to see this, you know, happen again. You know, history repeat itself. We saw last year, you know, Texas State played a close one at home and then, you know, lost by one in, uh, one point, you know, in that final inning, which was, you know, a heartbreaker. But then they were able to respond and, you know, at, you know, in Austin, take advantage of that and then win. Um, really, I mean, y'all mentioned Augie uh, Ramirez already. I mean, he just seemed to be, you know, at the plate at the right moment every time and, you know, was able to capitalize on three RBIs. And then we saw Chase Mora do you know, something other than home runs and was get on base and then score every time he seemed to get out there. So, yeah, it was a very impressive win. I mean, and we hadn't even gotten to really talk about pitching. You know, another, you know, negative from the night before was, you know, having too many pitchers really go out there and not really find consistency. But Tristan Dixon went out there for four innings and really just, you know, made it his own. And I don't think he really wanted to leave that mound once he got out there. I mean, 
I saw them uh, work out uh, Levi Wells, you know, probably the sixth inning. And, you know, he was like, nope, that's not happening. Going to close this one out. And he did in dramatic fashion with seven strikeouts, a career high for himself. And really just, a, you know, an exclamation point on that win. I don't know when y'all were born, but that's the largest win by a Texas State team since 2001 when we did it 13, four, or 13 to 4. So, I mean, that's something we have are not familiar with seeing. And it was kind of awesome to get to watch that. Uh, Tristan Dixon, his fifth save on the year. Four innings pitched, no earned runs against the Longhorns. Cameron Bish, Bush picked up his first win as a Bobcat in his two innings pitched as well. Only gave up a run, and that one wasn't earned uh, either. A couple home runs were hit against uh, a Jack Stroud there early. Kind of looked like, you know, things were going to struggle there. It was going to be a slugfest going back and forth. You know, Texas uh, scored in the first, and then Texas State responded. Texas scored again in the second Bobcats responded in the fourth, and then boom, all of a sudden the Bobcats tore it open in the fifth, a three-run spot there. Texas tried to respond, make it five to three, and then just the Bobcats would not get off the gas. Four more runs in the final four innings, and uh, the Bobcats coming away with a nine to three victory last night in Austin. Just a great job overall. Um, we mentioned, you know, a couple guys, August Ramirez. Uh, we mentioned Chase Moore as well. I want to give a shout out to Ryan Leary. He's been struggling a little bit to start the season. He's come out and made the most of his opportunities in the past couple weeks. On Tuesday last week, uh, he went into College Station. His first at bat hit a grand slam against the Aggies, uh, put him up five to nothing in the first. Unfortunate, lost that one nine to ten. Um, but then comes back. He gets the start on Tuesday. Ends up getting or no, he ended up getting pinched hit for August Ramirez, uh, on yesterday on Monday, or I guess two days ago now, Monday, uh, ended up hitting a triple that honestly should have been out of that ballpark. I mean, hit that top corner of the four Oh five area on the back wall and, uh, just a great job overall. And then yesterday he's able to get a hit as well to start things off there in the first or in the second, uh, for the Bobcats and, and, you know, be one of those productive guys, for the Bobcats in the game, and then August Ramirez coming in and uh, also taking advantage of those opportunities that were given to him by Coach Trout. So just a great thing. Um, and I, I want to read this quote from quote Coach Trout last night. I tweeted it on my Twitter, but um, but it, it just kind of puts me into perspective. You know th- what this team does and how it how it advances and and how it really feels about this game. And Coach Trout, he said, "What are you going to do with it? What are we going to do in practice tomorrow? Are we satisfied? It's just one win." We get back to work tomorrow. So I'll leave it at that. We're going to go ahead and take it to quick break, uh, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Texas or you're listening to Bobcat radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of Bobcat radio in the studio with me. I've got my producer, Justin Brown and co-host JP Flanagan. This is your host, Kyle Owen. And, uh, you know, we just got done talking about Texas state baseball against Texas this past weekend. I'm going to highlight real quick. They got a series coming up at home against Marshall Marshall 14 and 16 overall four and eight in Sunbelt conference play is a good chance for the Bobcats to get back into the swing of things in Sunbelt conferences they are six and six so Friday Saturday and Sunday here at Bobcat ballpark against Marshall but we'll move ahead uh, into some Texas State softball who came away with a win last night and they also pay face off against a team from Austin tonight uh, here at Bobcat ballpark and the last time those two teams met in a tournament, Texas was, I believe, they were number one at the time. 
no, I guess OU would have been number one at the time. They were, they were in the top five, that's for sure. Um, but back-to-back games against top 15 teams, Alabama, University of Texas, uh, were able to get two big wins there in that Bevo Classic. And uh, rematch coming up tonight against Texas, who is 33-8-1 on the season. Texas State softball, 26-14-1, and 6-4-1 in Sunbelt Conference play. Uh, looking at last night's game against Sam Houston State, a walk-off home run by Kat Zerati. And... Uh, what can y'all tell us about uh, this softball team and, and what they're going to have to do to uh, get back uh, to get back on top of Texas here tonight? I mean, they're coming into this. I mean, they're coming into this game with a lot more momentum than they did in that tournament. I mean, right now this this Texas State Bobcat softball team is running off of seven wins in a row, and you know they're they just got a big win over Houston, Sam Houston yesterday, four to two. And we saw Caitlin Zarati in that team. I mean, in that game, she's hitting homers and she's doing great and getting on base. And that's what you want to see. Players that are not among your top five and hitters actually stepping up and delivering. And this is what this team is doing. That's what Coach Ricky Woodard is coaching. I mean, we talk about Sierra Trahan. We talk about Hannah Rolls all the time. I talk about Sarah Vanderford. Those people know how to get that ball on that bat. But, you know, players like Caitlin, uh, Katarina Zarati stepping up and, you know, into this position and, you know, playing big, that's what you're going to need. And then that's what you're going to need when you're playing. It's a nationally ranked team, number eighth ranked softball team in the nation as UT. And, you know, they've won it before. And I think Coach Ricky Woodard, she remembers her defensive assignments. I think it could work here again. Yeah, I mean, exactly as you mentioned, this team is heating up at the right time. And this is exactly when you want, you know, a team to go into a six game win streak, especially when they're about to play a top ranked team in the country. Um just a team that probably had you circled on their their map for quite a while ever since you left a bad taste in their mouth in that tournament. Um, but what this Texas State team has shown is that when the lights get uh, bright, they're able to you know compete and then uh, bring their best foot forward. I mean, uh, going on this six game win streak in conference was crucial. I think they were you know only two wins in conference prior to that win streak, which was you know getting a little dicey there because you know you can't beat the top teams in the country and then you know flop come Sunbelt time. But I mean, as you mentioned, this team's heating up at the right time, and hopefully this brings you know. Uh, um, good tidings to like the ballpark tonight and you know they're able to steal another one from a top ranked team yeah so number eight texas coming to san marcus tonight and uh in the the second time in two days that the uh, the, the burn orange has come into san marcus but uh yeah i mean it's it's gonna be a good one that's for sure i mean and if you look at this ut softball team what have they done recently you look at their past six games they played in their past two series they just got a sweep over iowa state where they only allowed iowa state to put two runs on the board and they ended the game friday with an 8-0 win and that ended in five innings so the softball team knows how to get on the board fast the series before that they played number one nationally ranked oklahoma where they only scored around six runs in that entire series and they allowed you know oklahoma to score 22 runs on their head so this team is coming off of you know some really good teams i mean they're playing against iowa state they played against oklahoma recently san marcus texas state right now they haven't played a nationally ranked team since that bevo classic so they have to get their mindset ready they have to realize this is just not any other opponent and they have to continue that momentum i've seen this softball team go on 14 game win streaks before this is something they're not afraid of doing they only have a six game winning streak right now i know they could build upon it 
They just need to play consistent softball. Yeah, that, that you mentioned that Iowa State series. I mean, all those games were away for Texas, and they were able to sweep the series. I think it was uh, outmatched 24 to, I think, two runs for them. So, I mean, an impressive dominant performance. And, I mean, it, we mentioned Texas State being hot at the right time. I mean, this might be, you know, the same thing for Texas. I th- and I think that Oklahoma series, as you mentioned, when they, when they dropped three in Oklahoma, um, you know, that just put a bad taste in their mouth, you know, especially losing to a rival of that caliber for them. You know, be at OU is one of the best ranked teams in the country. Um, I think that, you know, that that probably was a game changer for them mentality wise. You know, how do we get better? And they're looking at this Texas State team and, you know, going, well, if we're going to be a better team, we probably should beat a team that, you know, beat us last time. So, I mean, yeah, but, uh, you know, good benefit of the doubt for both of us here, you know, getting to see teams that, you know, have success, you know, in the, in recent memory and then getting to play each other this week. Yeah, so speaking of a big team, uh, Texas State softball playing, you know, the, this is just a tune-up, honestly, for what's coming this weekend. One of the uh, one of the better teams in all of college softball, Louisiana. Um, they will be going to Lafayette this weekend. Louisiana, 11-1 and in Sunbelt Conference play, 30-11 and overall. So very consistent team, always has been and probably always will be. Uh, so Texas State softball tonight against the University of Texas, uh, right? here bobcat ballpark so be sure to go and support the girls out there uh if you can um and then this weekend be sure to catch texas state softball on espn plus in lafayette uh against the top ranked sunbelt team in louisiana so had a good good weekend coming up for baseball and softball but um you know we gotta we gotta switch over sports a little bit here uh some basketball is going on and uh it's playoff time in the nba well, not necessarily playoff, but play in time. And, you know, it's it's a fun time for all NBA fans. I mean, this is something that some people hate, some people like. Me personally, I love it. But one thing I don't love is seeing the Los Angeles Lakers win. As you all may know, I'm the biggest Laker hater there is. And they won 108 to 102 over the Minnesota Timberwolves yesterday to secure that seventh spot. And then the Hawks versus the Heat last night, Trey Young came out and you know, he balled 116 points the Hawks had against the Heat, which had 105. So those are the seven seeds right now in the E. I mean, in you know, yeah, so, I mean, sorry, why am I, why am I having a, a brain fart here? We have the seven seed in the East, the Hawks, eight seed in the East now, the Heat. And then on the West side, we got Timberwolves now is going to be the eighth seed and the seventh seed is the Lakers. But, you know, they're, they're, we're not done now. Play-in games continue. And if y'all don't know anything about play-in games, the ninth and the tenth seed are about to play you know, tonight and they will play and the winner of that game will get to play against the eighth seed and possibly get into the playoffs. The loser of these games tonight will completely be removed. And JP, I want to get your thoughts on these games tonight. Bulls and Raptors, ninth and 10th seed playing here and thunder and Pelicans, which matchup are you more excited for? And what are your predictions? I mean, as you mentioned, or I think my guess last night was incorrect. I think I had picked the Timberwolves and I think I had picked, uh, I think I had picked the heat, you know? So what, what this has proved is really just anything can happen. These playing games are perfect because they bring out the best seven or eight seed, you know, at this current moment in time, we're no longer just going to get, you know, a first round sweep from these teams, you know, playing the one or two seed. So I, I think this is great for the game of basketball, getting to bring out the best team at this current moment in time. Um, if I had to give a prediction on that Toronto game, I'm probably picking Toronto. I think they're more built for a championship or not built for a championship but they their mindset going into this season you know was making it to a western conference final or an eastern conference finals so i think their admirations are higher than their opponents so i'm going to pick the raptors but i mean you mentioned being the biggest um lakers hater here and i'm here to say the lakers probably just peaked 
Um, that was probably the highest of I highs agree. for them. Um, you know, securing the seven seed, and I think it's or not going to be a walk in the park for them. They have to now play your John Morant. <laughs> I know you've been, yeah, exactly. You've been having to hype him up all season, um, and he's now he's getting to play. So I mean, I think this is you know the Lakers reached their peak, and I mean I'm excited to see watch the rest of the games at like the Pelicans and the Thunder, and then the Raptors getting to take on. Who are they playing again? The Raptors are. You're asking who the Raptors. The Raptors are, are playing. Yeah, the Bulls. The Bulls. Yeah, exactly. So you I, know, I'm picking the Raptors in that one. In my preference in this situation, I'm picking the Bulls over the Raptors. Just gonna say right now. But you didn't mention the OKC Thunder and in, in the in the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick a game in that one, uh, I'm, I'm picking Pelicans just because, you know, they have more veteran leadership on that team. And I really don't think the Thunder want to make the playoffs. But, I mean, yeah. I think every team, you know, at this point is playing for the playoffs. So I'm not going to say that the Thunder are just going to, you know, l- let this one slide. But I think the Pelicans are probably more situated to make the playoffs and, you know, get swept by the Nuggets. But that's just me. I'm going to probably pick the the Pelicans in that one. Well, if I were to put any predictions, I would say the Bulls are going to win it. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be an unexpected one. I uh, feel bad for Raptor fans, and I'm going to say, okay, see, they're going to ball out. I mean, Shai Gildas Alexander, this is a national stage for him to perform on. No one usually watches OKC play during the regular season. This is a way for him to step up and show big. And one thing I want to say is about these play-in games, and this is something I don't know if you all want to talk about, but I, I think Miami Heat, you know, they're in some bad news right now. I mean, they have three players scoring double digits. You have Kyle Lowry, you know, dropping 33. Tyler Hero dropping 26. You got Jimmy Butler dropping 21. Bam Adebayo dropping 12. And you still are unable to beat a Hawks team that really only has two stars on it. Now, and then I talk about the Lakers here and what I've seen in that game is you're playing a team without even Rudy Gobert. Of course, Anthony Davis is going to do great. That paint presence is gone. But guess who you're about to play against? Jaron Jackson Jr. And that man, he has, he is, he is, I thought he was Anthony Davis's father earlier this year because of the way Jaron Jackson was balling on him. But, you know, this is going to be really exciting to see. I, I, I love the playoffs. My favorite time of the year. But, um, yeah. Go OKC. I mean, go Bulls. One team has to play the Heat twice now just to get into the playoffs. So, I mean, it'd be exciting to see if, you know, the Raptors or the Bulls can even, you know, get one win against the Heat. I mean, although be it they're weak right now and Jimmy Butler is not the same Jimmy Butler we're used to. But yeah. I, I still think, you know, it's an uphill climb for either team having to beat, you know, a Heat team, as you mentioned, with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero. So that'll be exciting to watch. But, I mean, I don't think any team can really beat the Heat at this moment. And then maybe they dodged a bullet. They don't have to play the Celtics. They're going to have to play the 76ers with a Joel Embiid-led team. And, you know, the drama that comes with having James Harden, Joel Embiid, maybe they're able to, you know, steal a game or two there. But, yeah, I think that's we, – we won here. We got the best matchup. We're going to get to see, you know, the Hawks play the Celtics, and then we're going to get to see the 76ers hopefully play the Heat. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, this weekend or this week, good good time for basketball. That's for sure. I I'm seeing the Raptors. I think the Raptors are going to get out of the Bulls game. Um, that's for sure. I just not for sure, of course, but uh, I just I think that consistently at home they've been doing a good job all season long, and uh, they uh, the Bulls. Uh, on the road not doing as well as they'd probably want to so i think the raptors they'll probably get out of that game and then i think that the the thunder will come away with a win in new orleans tonight as well so um those should both be i mean great games you mentioned uh you mentioned uh I guess Alexander, um, I mean, he's averaging almost 32 points a game. And, uh, and and if you have somebody like that on your team, that's especially with the young team that they have and, and, and the depth that they have in the young stars, I think that uh, I think the Thunder will be able to come away with a win against the Pelicans and uh, and get their shot um, at the uh, at that eight spot against the Timberwolves. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing I really like your prediction, Kyle, because, you know, I look at this Raptors team, I didn't even know this. Their last game they played Sunday, April 9th, it was a 16-point win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. And the Milwaukee Bucks, if you don't if y'all been under a rock, maybe, you know, six I don't know where you've been, but Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks have been running the East all season long. And the fact that the Toronto Raptors were able to get a 16-point win over their head shows that this team might actually be able to do it against the Bulls. Um, but yes, I love how you mentioned the youth on this team, Kyle. I mean, for the OKC team, I mean, their their average age is younger than most college teams. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what will happen. Yeah, I mean, Shea Gildress is playing, you know, his his he's playing to the highest ability and he's really shown, you know, maybe that the Thunders probably won that Paul George trade a few years back because look at them now, the Clippers, you know, having to play a series basically without Paul George and without four less, you know, first round picks from that Shea trade. So, I mean, the Thunder, the, tremendous upside, even being able to compete for, you know, playoff spot at this point, especially at this point in their career, um, you know, it's great. And I think that this only means better things coming forward. And if you're a Thunder fan out there and you don't make the playoffs, this isn't the end of the world. You know, Shea Gilders Alexander averaging 32 in what his third or fourth season. I mean, the, it's only up from here, and it, I'd be amazed to see what he can do. You know, push the you know higher point per game levels, and maybe if he adds you know a star on his on his you know side, what that could do to the team. And you know, if if they're playing for the 10 seed right now, I mean, in the next few years, you could see them up as three. You know, maybe like the Sacramento Kings. If y'all had to pick one series from both sides uh, that you think will be probably the most competitive, um, which one it would it be? I'm going to start off. I think the Warriors and the Kings. That one's going to be probably be uh, the best one on the on the West, and then on the East side, uh, I'd have to say probably whoever. Mm, I don't know. The East is it's it's kind of a toss up over there on the East, uh, in my opinion. I think that uh, at the end of the day. Um, that that Hawks and Celtics series may end up being one of the one of the more competitive ones, kind of a sleeper. But if you had to pick one, I'd say maybe just the Knicks and the Cavs. Yeah, I mean that Knicks and Cavs one's probably your Daniel most took ba- mine. yeah probably the most balanced one right there. But I, I won't go too deep into that one. I think it's the Suns Clippers. I think both teams have high admirations, mm-hmm. you know, of winning a championship, and they're they're both heavily committed to what they've done to you know form their roster and really just losing at this stage, you know, in anyone's career on either of those teams would just be tremendously you know, impactful for what, you know, what might happen for the future. So I think that Suns Clippers series has a lot of, you know, um, Western Conference finals vibes to it. Cause I mean, you really could have predicted either of those teams to make it based on, you know, the players they have on their team and the caliber of coaching on their teams. Um, but yeah, that's probably the most exciting to me just cause we're basically seeing a, a team that could win a championship exit in the first round. And that those are one of the games that's actually guaranteed. We're definitely going to see the Suns Clippers, the red, I mean, a lot of the other ones are open to interpretation because of the play-in tournament and how things could work out. But, I mean, that's probably the most exciting to me. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Suns and Clippers, you have Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant facing each other for the first time since the finals when they were on, you know, Toronto and Golden State. This is going to be a great rivalry. This is probably going to be the most offensive rivalry you see in the West right now. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch this series, but I'm definitely excited about the Kings and Warriors. Um, You know, I really want to see what the Kings can do. I think they're a California team that gets undermined a lot of the time, and they're playing against one of the best, you know, shooters of all time and um, with with the Warriors. And I think the Warriors, I mean, I want them to see, I want to see them do good. They're a six seed in the West. The last time a six seed in the West actually won a championship was um, 1995, the Houston Rockets, obviously. I would know that. Um, Rockets <laughs> fan here. But 
Um, in the East, what is the series I'm most excited about? Oh, Cavs and Knicks, man. Knicks fans go crazy. Knicks players go crazy. You always want to see the New York Knicks make the playoffs every year. They're, you know, the Dallas Cowboys of NBA. No, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Maybe the Lakers or the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I would NBA. consider that yeah. one. <laughs> let's 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 change that uh, statement right there. But yeah, no, the Cavs and Knicks. I mean, that's an exciting matchup right there. I'm going to probably watch every single game of that series. I, I don't know what it is, but around the Eastern Conference first rounds have always been so fun to me. I don't know if everyone doesn't watch. No one watches Eastern Conference. I'm probably like one of four viewers, but you know, <laughs> I will watch it. I mean, this year specifically, I think the West is just far more competitive because of, you know, no top-loaded um, kind of franchise players, you know, having, you know, too many pieces on their team. I'm really just shouting out or calling out the Warriors 2016 team through 2019 there. But, I mean, yeah, we don't have any imbalance. I mean, you got a Jokic-led team. I mean, he's got a few, you know, stars on his team. And then you got a Jaw-led team. I mean, he's got Jaron Jackson at best. I'm not even going to count Dylan Brooks. And then the Kings, I mean, they're just – they're an actual team. They don't really have any star players besides Sabonis and Fox. So, I mean, I think this is just really the most balanced we're going to see the West right now. It's going to be a fight to see who's going to make the Western Conference Finals. It really could be, you know, just a toss-up to me at this point. Um, It's going to be who can maintain their health and who's able to really, you know, get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to scheduling because... Um, or at least where the, how the bracket works out because, I mean, if you get to play, you know, a team like the Kings in the second round because they're able to sneak a win over the Warriors, I'd say the team playing the Kings is probably in the driver's seat. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Probably the most balanced we've ever seen. And not to say anything bad about the East. I think the East is balanced, but I don't really think any of those bottom teams are, are going to be able to, you know, make a playoff push like these other bottom teams on the West. So it'll be exciting to see. And then um, it'll be interesting to see if we also see another, you know, Eastern Conference team, you know, steal a title because the the West has just been beating itself, you know, all season long. So, um, yeah. yeah. You heard it here first. NBA play-in and playoffs are going to be a fun one all season long or all rest of the season long. And uh, if y'all want to hear about it, be sure to keep listening in to Bobcat Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. But uh, before we get things going, it's time for weather with Justin. Yes, it's your favorite weatherman here, and right now it's sunny in the skies. Don't predict anything differently today. High of 78, currently 74, and if you're going to watch softball today, it's the perfect day to do it. There's a little bit of a breeze around 6 miles per hour to the northeast, and it's going to be a nice, cool 75 degrees. But yeah, that's the weather. Yeah, so that's going to be our time for the day. Got to, got to talk about some Texas State baseball, Texas State softball, like you mentioned it, playing Texas tonight here in San Marcos. Also mentioned the NBA play-in tournament and the rest of the playoffs. So uh, be sure to keep up with everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us on at KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For J.P. Flanagan and Justin Brown, I'm Kyle Owen, and thank you for listening to this Wednesday's edition of Bobcat Radio. Now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.